This is the Life Church Podcast. We are in this series called Peeled, where we've been talking about the, the fruit of the Spirit, and we've been using language that's kind of language of nature, right? Like seeds, like, uh, like growth, like fruit. And the primary reason for this, because I think that was, that was the Apostle Paul's intent. The Apostle Paul was trying to, to explain to us that these character traits that we are talking about, love, joy, peace, patience, all those are, those are things that naturally are developing inside of us as we walk in the Spirit. As we walk in the Spirit, these things begin to grow and flourish inside of us. And so as we walk in the Spirit, you know, more, more patience will come, more love will come, more joy will come, more peace will come. These are the things that should characterize our life as we, as a follower of Jesus Christ, make a decision to walk in the Spirit. And so really, that's, that's what we've been talking about. These nine fruit that we're talking about are not a to-do list. My objective here is not to get you to check one off. Okay, finally, I'm loving. Finally, I'm, I have peace. Finally, I'm being joyful. You know, we want all those things to happen, but it's not a checklist. The real, the real calling, the real invitation of this entire series, the real invitation is, are you walking in the Spirit? And so this summer, we made a decision. We're going to spend nine weeks talking about it. We're going to involve some of our other pastors on staff. So you've heard different voices about walking in the Spirit, from whether it's Tony or, or Chris or, or Pastor Wayne. They've all, they've all been able to share a little bit about what walking in the Spirit looks like and specifically the, the fruit. And so my prayer for this whole series is that we would, at the end of the series, ask ourselves a question. Am I walking in the Spirit? Am I yielding my life? So I know walking in the Spirit, what does that mean? I, you know, I've talked about it meaning keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. All that, but it, it boils down to this. Every day are you saying, Jesus, here's my life. I'm going to resist my selfish tendencies, my selfish desire, and I'm going to lean into what you want for me, what you desire for me. And that's a, that's a little bit of a juggling act for us oftentimes. But that's... That's the, that, would, that would make my day to know that that's what the end game was, for, for what, the end, what the end of this uh, series developed in each and every one of us, is that we begin to walk more in the Spirit. Now today we're going to look at a story from the Old Testament, and particularly two characters by the name of David and Jonathan, as we talk about the two fruit, the fruit of goodness and the fruit of kindness. Now these, uh, these guys, Jonathan and David, they should have been bitter enemies, I mean, this should have been an epic rivalry between Jonathan and David. You know, something like the, like, you know, like, like the Democrats and the Republicans, right? Okay, let's not talk about that. Uh, how, about, how about like, you know, like, like the Lakers and the Celtics? If you're like my age, you remember those days, the Lakers and the Celtics. That was the rivalry of the, of the decade, of decades, right? Because see, the reality is that Jonathan was King Saul's son. He was the rightful heir to the kingdom. He was the guy who should have been king next, but God had other plans. God made a decision that because of Saul's sin, he would lose his kingdom and that David, King David, would become the king of Israel. And so you would think that David and Jonathan would be bitter enemies. You would think that, that Jonathan would have nothing to do with that, that guy who was going to take his father's kingdom. And yet, as the story unfolds, you find that Jonathan and David become best of friends. 
even though Jonathan's dad, Saul, was trying to kill David at every turn, they became best of friends. I encourage you actually to go to you know, First and Second Samuel to read the story of Jonathan and David. We don't have time to go into the whole story, but David has been running for his life. Saul is trying to kill him. He's jealous. He's, he's upset that his kingdom is being taken from him. And so he's trying to kill David. There's a civil war going on between the armies of the king and David and his mighty men and his loyal, and his loyal followers. And they've been fighting each other for two years. So one day, Jonathan makes a decision. You see, Jonathan is watching this at a distance. You can imagine, Jonathan is caught in between. His father is the king. He wants to be loyal to his father, the king, but his friend, David, are, they're fighting each other. What does he do? And one day, he discovers a plot of his father to ambush David. So, so Jonathan decides to intervene and help David. And he says these words in, in 1 Samuel chapter 20. He says, may the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. In other words, I'm going to help you and I'm asking God to be with you. But show me unfailing kindness like the Lord's kindness as long as I live. So he's asking of David, Jonathan is asking of David that David would show kindness to him. So that I may not be killed. He's afraid that you know, he would lose his life once David becomes king. And do not ever cut off your kindness from my family. So, so Jonathan appeals to David for kindness to him, towards him, but also kindness towards his extended family. Don't cut off my family, don't, which was natural, was normal. That's what happened in these days. So David then, listens, listening to this, he affirms this promise to Jonathan. You see, the relationship between David and Jonathan is this beautiful picture of goodness and kindness. Now, the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 5, he talks about the different fruit of the Spirit. He talks about these two specifically, goodness and kindness. And they seem kind of similar, right? And, and you wonder, what's the difference between them? How do, you, how do we explain the difference between Is there a difference between goodness and kindness? Well, Paul uses the word agathosune for goodness, which literally means moral worth. It's an internal, internal characteristic. A person ruled by the good, an uprightness of heart. That's what Agathosune means goodness. In other words, there's an internal quality of a person. You know people like this, right? You've met people like this. You could say, just by seeing how they act, their demeanor, the way they speak, you say, that's a good person, you might have said, right? Kindness is kind of similar to that, but it actually has more of an application feature to it. I guess this is the way we could say it. Goodness is who you are on the inside, while kindness is the outward expression of that goodness. So when you are, being, when you are, are on the receiving end of kindness, your immediate reaction to that is that that person's being good to me. There's a quality, there's a characteristic of goodness in that person. So we see this characteristic played out in the story of Jonathan and David. As we fast forward in the story, I don't have time to go into the whole story, but as we fast forward into the story, we get, come to 2 Samuel chapter 9. King Saul is dead. Uh, they were fighting the Philistines, and the Philistines, um, this is another people group from that area. They're fighting the Philistines, and the Philistines basically uh, surrounded King Saul, and Saul decided that before he got taken by the Philistines, he would take his own life. And so he took his own life. His son Jonathan has also been killed, and so the Philistines have taken their bodies and, and impaled them on the wall as a sign that 
the king is dead. David rises to the throne and becomes a king over all the land. A few years pass, and then David remembers a promise he made to, to Jonathan. It's like it comes to his mind. You see here in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1, he says, David asks, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? It's this intimate moment that David is having. He's like, he realizes, you know, I'm now the king and, 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 and I, I miss my friend Jonathan and I wonder, I just wonder, is there anybody out there that I can, I can't show kindness to Jonathan because he's gone, but is there anyone out there that I can show kindness to? He feels that, it's, he's, he's remembering that. Now, this is kind of a unique thought for a king in those days because in those days it was customary for the king to basically eliminate the, the previous dynasty. <laughs> they didn't want a baby, you know, who might have been a baby at the time, to grow up and one day claim the, the throne. And so it was customary for the incoming king, the incoming dynasty, to basically put to death everybody from the previous dynasty, including children and infants. But David, because of goodness and kindness, decides to depart from the norm. This is really a lesson for us. This is really a lesson for us about the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit, right? Yeah, the fruit of the Spirit is developing in you and growing in you. Your actions will often defy what is normal practice. If the fruit of love, for example, is growing in you, then you might forgive your enemies. Whereas normal practice is to hold a grudge against your enemy, Right? Now, I'm not making that as a suggestion. I think the Bible tells us that we are to forgive our enemies. But how do, how, that's difficult to do, isn't it? Unless we are walking in the Spirit. Unless we are living a life full of the Holy Spirit, then the fruit of love is growing in us and we have the capacity to forgive our enemies instead of holding a grudge. If the fruit of, for example, peace is growing in you, and you might act calmly instead of becoming hysterical when bad news comes your way. See, <clears throat> there's something about going against the grain. There's something about what God does inside of us that makes us different kind of people than, the world, than what's in the world. He invites us to live a different kind of life. That's essentially what we're talking about when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit. So, <clears throat> so David summons a former servant of King Saul by the name of Ziba, and asked him a question, is there anybody? Is there anybody out there that I can show kindness to? And Ziba answers, yes, there is a son. His name is Mephibosheth. That's a long name. Chris Carey was testing me this week, saying, say it five times in a row, real fast. You know, I did it successfully, but I'm not sure I'll be successful during the sermon. But anyways, so he calls this servant in, and he says, yes, there is. His name is Mephibosheth, and he's crippled in both feet. He's the son of Jonathan, your friend Jonathan. And so David basically summons him. Now, Mephibosheth was crippled because as a small child, he had an accident where both of his, his, his ankles were broken. And in those days, there was not the medical technology of today. So he basically ended up crippled for, the, for his entire life. Now, when Ziba mentioned that there's this, this crippled son of Jonathan, the, if you read the text, there's kind of a little bit of a, an air of like sarcasm or or. or demeaning. He was like demeaning it. He was always like saying, hey, you know what? This, this, this Mephibosheth kid, you know, he, he was the, the enemy. He was the, your, his father was the enemy of your throne. You should just 
Take him out of his misery. Put him to death. That's what kings do. They get rid of them anyways. Just put him to death. David summons Mephibosheth to Jerusalem. Now Mephibosheth is probably terrified because he knows what the custom is. He knows that, that his grandfather's enemy would likely want to take him out. That's what they always do. And so that's what's probably on his mind as he's coming to the king's palace. And so that's the custom of that day. He's overcome with fear. 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 6, he says, When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, because he's terrified, he bowed down to pay him honor. In many ways, hoping for kindness, hoping for, hoping for grace, hoping for mercy. There's terror going on. So if you read this story Read into it. Know that in this moment right now, this young child, this, he's not a child anymore, he's an adult man, but this, this Mephibosheth, he is terrified of what might happen to, to him. He's well aware that there was this two-year civil war between his grandfather and the, and the current king. He's well aware that David lost great men in that battle, in that, in that war. He's well aware that David himself suffered in that war. And so he's aware that he might himself, from Mephibosheth's perspective, he may himself lose his life that day. David might exact revenge on him. But I want you to notice David's response to Mephibosheth. Verse 7 says, don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land, all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Then he summoned, and the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I've given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring him crops because he's not capable of doing it himself. So that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. You see the turn of events here? In a moment, Mephibosheth goes from a subsistence living to suddenly sitting at the king's table, the honor restored of being the grandson of the king. Three dozen servants tending to him. Can you imagine? That was a good day for him. How many of you want a good day like that? Kind of like that, obviously, you know, right? That was a good day for him. I want you to picture this, get a, try to get a mental image of what's going on here. Suddenly, now the, the king is having a big feast and his table is set and he's sitting at the head of the table and suddenly Absalom, the, the strapping warrior son of King David walks in, man, he's dressed, he's dressed like to kill. Behind him is Tamar, another one of David's children, his daughter, beautiful. Solomon walks in, he's wise and you know, he's studious. He's probably coming out of the library and he's dressed. Hey, can you imagine? These guys are, 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 they are, they are decked out. Beverly Hills has decked them out. They are people that, can, you know, that, are, that would be featured on TMZ or, 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 or you know, People Magazine. And they're sitting at the table and then suddenly you hear... as Mephibosheth hobbles in. 
and he takes his seat at the table like one of the king's sons. The Bible says it clearly. So Mephibosheth, verse 11, Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. This is why I chose this story as an example of goodness and kindness. David was a good man. The Bible tells us that he was a man after God's own heart. That there was this goodness in him. And because there was this goodness in him, he displayed kindness to this person who really, in many ways, didn't deserve it, right? Here's some observations of this story. First one is this, as people who walk in the spirit, we should show kindness to family and friends. Keep in mind how this, this whole thing got started. It got started because of a friendship between David and Jonathan. Friendship. Now, I know it sounds silly for me to say, hey, if you walk in the spirit, you should be kind to both to family and friends. It might sound like, well, of course you're supposed to be kind to family and friends. But one of the things I've discovered is that those that are closest to us oftentimes get the short end of the stick. That sometimes it's easier for us to do random acts of kindness for total strangers than to be kind to the one who sleeps with us every single day. My wife, Christy, she's, she's always had a tender heart towards our kid. I mean, she, she, we walked through the store, like yes, yesterday, we were walking through Walmart, and, and you know, she's not thinking about buying anything for herself, but she sees grandkids' clothes, you know, little girl clothes, and she's like, oh, that, and, and like literally, we were talking about her cart just wanting to turn right, and I'm like, no, 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 let's stay on track, let's go to the groceries, where that's where we're supposed to be, you know, and it, she just thinks about those kind of things, you know, we have guests who come to our house, who, who may spend a night, and we have a guest room, and she, she makes sure the room is nicely decked out, and there's, there's stuff for them in a little basket, you know, she just takes care of them that way. My daughter, <laughs> she, she doesn't live with us anymore, she's in Colorado Springs, but my daughter will, has times, from time to time, would, would be, when she was in her bedroom, would text Christy, and from, from her bedroom, well, Christy's in another part of the house, and our house is not that big, by the way. But she would text Christy and say, hey, can you bring me a snack? <laughs> now, she wouldn't text me that, because I'd be like, you got feet. Get up. But Christy would like, she would like, get up, she'd go and get her a snack, you know. And kindness. Kindness. Now, when I text Christy and ask her the first snack, she's like, you got feet. Get up. Just <laughs> Look, random acts of kindness, yes, keep doing that. But what about some intentional acts of kindness towards, towards those that you're close to, towards those that you know? Why don't you pray the prayer that David prayed? Lord, is there anyone that I should show kindness to? And ask yourself that question. Is there anyone? Is there anyone that you're overlooking? Like I said, it might be the person who sleeps in the same bed with you. It might be a parent who is feeling alone right now. And they could use your kindness. Second observation from the story is, as, we, as people who walk in the spirit, we show kindness to those who can't return the favor. We show kindness to those who can't return the favor. This kind of speaks to the, our motivation, right? Because I think sometimes it's easy to show kindness, to, to show kindness because you, you might expect something in return. I know I've done that. You know, I do something, I, I know, but I know that I might get some gratitude back, I might get some money back, I might get something back, so it's easy to, so this is really gut check time. Show kindness when those, who, those you're showing kindness who cannot return the favor. It's that homeless person that you buy a meal for. 
It's that elderly neighbor that's on a fixed income that you decide weekly to go and mow her grass. Maybe it's that elderly parent that made your life hell growing up. But you need to show some kindness to them, even when you might not get something in return. See, I love it when politicians serve, but you know what I love more? When they serve without calling the press. When they serve not for the photo op. When they serve because of goodness and kindness. Matthew 25, verse 37 says this. This is a discourse that Jesus is giving about the end times. And he talks about the separation of the, sheep's, the sheep and the goats. He, it's sort of an illustration between heaven and hell, uh, damnation and, 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 and eternal security kind of stuff. And, and he's, he's using the illustration of sheep and goat. And then he talks about, you know, who these people are. The, the, the sheep are the righteous, the goats are the unrighteous. And he says, then the righteous will answer him. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Kindness. Kindness when it cannot be returned. Right? This is goodness and kindness when no one sees. This is really the heart behind Servolution, as Pastor Chris was talking about earlier. You know, this is why we do Servolution. We live in a world that's jaded towards Christianity because, I don't know if you get this, but we have the most powerful message on the face of the earth. The message of true freedom. Not just, not just political freedom, not just physical freedom, but freedom of the heart. We have that message at our, at our fingertips. And yet the world looks at us and they don't always see the kindness and goodness of Christ through us. And so we as a church, we decided to make a change. We're going to change that. We're going to put some flesh on goodness and kindness in our community. And that's why we do Servolution. That's why we go to a block party. And, we, and, we, and we, I engage a grandma who's raising her grandkids. That's why we do the back to school outreach where we give shoes away, thousands of pairs of shoes away and, and haircuts and all of that. School supplies. That's why we do our Thanksgiving outreach where we give a turkey and, and all the fixings to make a Thanksgiving meal. We do that basically to show kindness. I remember when we first, uh, when we first started doing the Thanksgiving outreach, we, would, we, we went to the Holiday, Holiday Lodge uh, mobile home park in North Liberty and we started knocking on doors. And, and at first they were skeptical. Like you'd knock on the door and they're like, what do you want? Right? Those, and, and, and they would close the door on us. Like we don't, we don't, no, we don't, we're not, we're not buying anything. We weren't selling anything, but they were saying we're not buying anything because in their mind, in this world's mindset, nobody gives anything away without something in return. That's the way the world operates. And so we just kept persisting. We kept going back year after year after year. I love how it is today. Today, about two months before Thanksgiving happens, we start getting phone calls. Hey, you guys are doing the turkeys this year, right? You're doing turkeys this year, right? They're like, yeah, we are. I said, well, we need one, but hey, you know what? Um, my neighbor, man, and they, we get a story. They'll tell us a story. My neighbor, she lost her job. Her husband left her. She's got five, she's got 15 kids or whatever, you know. She just, they just go and tell the story of how bad it is, and she really, really needs a turkey. Being kind when you cannot get, when you may not get anything in return. 
Um, I'm going to show you a picture up here of um, my, uh, our wedding. This is our wedding. Now, let me, let me say this. Last service, <clears throat> I turned around to look at this picture, and you know what I saw? I saw Rich Green's nose. That's what I saw. I uh, like, man, that is a big nose. It's not that big on my screen, but it's big on this, on this big screen right here, you know. That's not our son, by the way. I do, I do have a dark son by the name of Jonathan. That's not him. This is my, uh, this is my, uh, my nephew or Christy's nephew, Michael Paul. And uh, Michael Paul, early on, uh, we knew that there were some development issues as he was an infant right there. We didn't know the extent of it. But over time, discovered that he had cerebral palsy and a very, and very se- severe cerebral palsy. He's, he's a, you know, severe from a f- speech standpoint, from a mobility standpoint. He's been in a wheelchair all of his life. And um, he's 32 years old. Now, now, now he, he's, he's very disabled when it comes to speech and, 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 uh, and mobility, but he's got a mind as sharp as a tack. In fact, next picture shows him graduating from college. That's Michael Paul, who graduated from college a few years back. He's 32 years old now. He needs 24 hours of kind of assistance. He can't really go to the bathroom by himself. He can't shower by himself. Eating is difficult. As I think about Michael Paul, let me tell you who I think about. Let's go to the next picture. I think about his dad, Mickey. That's my wife's brother. That's my brother-in-law, my wife's brother. Um, he's a great guy. I've talked about Mickey. He's a redneck, but an educated redneck. He, he manages tens of thousands of acres for Ross Perot. He's an amazing guy. Um, and then the next picture, this is, this is Michael Paul's mom, Linda. And, um, and then we could just go on to the next picture. This is the whole family. It's coming, the whole family. There you go. <laughs> and, uh, and there they are. When I think about Michael Paul, you know what I think about? I think about those two parents right up there, Mickey and Linda who early on made a decision out of the goodness in their heart to be kind towards Michael. They've made a decision. They put some, a lot of their dreams aside. They put a lot of their hopes and aspirations aside to try to normalize Michael Paul's life. They purchased homes with Michael in, in, in mind. And even to this day, he's 32 years old and he has assistance and all of that. Even to this day, when they're planning an event, when they're thinking about something, Michael is always included. Kindness. Michael can't repay anything back to them. The only thing he could do is say, I love you, Mom. I love you, Dad. But kindness, when it cannot be returned. Mark Twain said this, kindness is the language that the deaf can hear and the blind can read. Kindness. Third observation is as people who walk in the spirit, we show kindness when it may not be deserved. Saul's family had been incredibly harsh to David. This two-year civil war was, 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 was terrible. David could have easily done what all other kings do. He could, have, he could have taken revenge. He could have settled the score, but he didn't. He showed kindness instead, right? In fact, I think these fruit that we're talking about all of them are designed with this idea of, of living them out in, in a way where that we're expressing them to people who do not deserve them, for example, right? Like we love the unlovable, right? We show joy to the joyless. We have patience on the, with the person who 
is not patient with us. You show kindness even when it's not deserved. In Ephesians chapter four, verse 32 says, be kind, this is the apostle Paul again speaking, he says, be kind and compassionate to one another. If I just stop there, be kind and compassionate to one another. If we just were as followers of Jesus Christ, read, the, read that text and said, okay, that's, that's not a suggestion, that's a command. I'm being told that this is what I need to do. Be kind and compassionate to one another. What if all of us today just walked out of here and said, you know what, I'm just gonna listen to what Paul said and I'm gonna be kind and compassionate to one another. We could change this world. In fact, a lot of what you see in social media and on the, and on the media and all the stuff that's going back and forth politically is just simply a lack of being kind and compassionate to one another. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. In the story that we've been looking at, there's this twist that happens towards the end. David, King David at this point, his son Absalom tries to take the throne. So now David is fleeing for his life because he doesn't want to kill his own son. Ziba comes to David and says, hey, Mephibosheth, he's not going with you because he has designs. He thinks that in the chaos, you guys are going to kill each other and he will rise up as the next king of Israel. This is what Ziba, the servant, says. Later, the, things, the dust settles and David comes back and he, and he questions both of them. Is this true? Mephibosheth says, no, he's slandering me. I never said that. I never, I, he just left me here. You know, I can't get around by myself. Ziba, on the other hand, so it's this he, sh he said, she said kind of thing going on. And so King David says, okay, you know what? Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be kind, still be kind to you. I'm not gonna kill you, but here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna split the inheritance of Saul in half. Ziba, you take half, and Mephibosheth, you take the other half. And Mephibosheth's response to that is this. I don't care about the money. I don't care about the land. I don't care about any of that stuff. What I want is to sit at the king's table. I want to sit at the king's table. Let me conclude this way. Is there someone, as I've been talking, that you might say to yourself, I really need to show kindness to them. I really need to show kindness to that person. Maybe it's a spouse that's hurt you and, and you've, you've decided to kind of keep that fence of unkindness up. You might be kind to a lot of other people, but when you see him or you see her, you're like, mm, you're frozen. Maybe it's a business partner that you feel has, has taken advantage of you or cheated you. Maybe, maybe the way that God wants, wants you to show kindness is by adopting that child that you've been fostering, much like JJ and Kira are doing. Is there someone you need to be showing kindness to? And if, if that's the case, if, you've, if, that's, if there's a person in mind, I would encourage you to make it a point this week to do that. But here's, can I share with you a fear I have about this sermon though? That you might hear this and the only application you walk away is, is that I need to be kinder to other people like David was kinder to other people. And yes, you do need to be kinder to other people, that, but that's really more of a secondary application. 
That's not the primary app. The, the primary application is this. You and I, if we read this story right, you and I are Mephibosheth. We are the ones who have been crippled by sin, frightened by guilt. We're the ones who don't deserve it. And King David is the prototype of our king, King Jesus, who despite our sin, despite our failures, despite our weaknesses, despite everything that we've done, has invited us to his table and has covered us with his grace. We are sitting at the king's table by invitation of the king of kings and Lord of lords. Listen, you're... Your ability, your ability to be kind to others, it's not something you work up on the inside. It's not something you kind of find some kind of centered thing about yourself that's good and, and then you work it out of that. That's not how it happens. My ability to be kind to others is recognizing how kind God has been to me. When somebody I know sins or sins against me or sins against whoever, the only way that I can extend forgiveness and grace in that direction is because I fully recognize the grace and the forgiveness that I have received. Because I am Mephibosheth. I am the one who's crippled by sin. I am the one who's hobbling around, desperately needing God's kindness in my life. And so if you wanna show kindness to others, it starts by recognizing the kindness that been, has been extended to you. It's by recognizing that you have been forgiven much. So let's all stand. We're going to pray. It starts first and foremost with a relationship with Jesus Christ. I pray, I regularly pray. You can ask my staff, you can ask people, maybe you recall this. I regularly pray. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your goodness. That's something that comes out of my mouth on a regular basis. It's almost habitual to where I don't even, I do it just muscle memory and just remembering it all the time, you know, kind of thing. But I mean it. Because every time I address my father, I think, God, you have forgiven me for so much. Thank you for the life I get to live. Thank you for the life I get to enjoy because you have forgiven me for so much. Kindness and goodness. It starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ this morning and maybe you have forgotten that, maybe there's somebody in your life that you're holding judgment against. Maybe you feel angered at, maybe you don't even actually know this person, person. maybe it's a, a public figure, maybe it's somebody else out there and you're just bitter and angry. Can I challenge you to stop for a second and say, God, you have been so kind, so good to me. Let that spirit of God begin to descend in you. See, the invitation here this morning is not for you to go try to be kind. The invitation here this morning is to connect with Jesus. Even if it's for the first time, or maybe it's because, maybe it's, you've been a follower of Jesus Christ for a long time, but now you're needing to come, needing to come back to the altar and say, God, I yield myself to you. In fact, I really believe this. I believe the mark of a healthy Christian walk is that of a person who every day says, Jesus, I yield my life to you every single day. Not just on Sunday mornings, which is easy. Every single day, Jesus, I yield my life over to you. I give it to you. I resist 
the sinful nature. I resist my selfish desires. God, I just want to give myself over to you every single day. And in that moment, I guarantee you, you will experience goodness and kindness in your life. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for your grace, your mercy, your loving kindness. We thank you, God, that when we were yet sinners, you sent your son. You showed kindness to us when we weren't even coming, calling for you, we weren't even coming after you, Jesus. So this morning, Father, we just ask that you will help us to walk in the Spirit, to be people who are full of the Spirit, to be people who every single day yield ourselves to your guidance, to your, to your leading. We ask it in Jesus' name. This is the Life Church Podcast.